We the bestest cast with the left twist. Not fairly well dressed. Put me on the guest list. The guest list. Uh, yeah, on the guest list. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another week of On the Guest List with Fox Trotting to Get Down, White Sox Dave and Kenny Carkeet. With you from the band, as always, is your boy Colin. In New York City, we have the cowboy, Mr. David Williams. Dave, how are we? Uh, I could be better. I could be better. I'm in New York City, as you said, and I absolutely fucking hate this city. I respect, I, the, I respect the honesty, bro. Like one redeeming, I, I'm talking specifically uh, Manhattan. I'm in Midtown right now, I believe. I Don't quote me on that, but that's where the Barcel HQ is what we're, I'm out here for. Um, it's just concrete jungle. You don't see trees. You don't see greenery. The people are assholes. There's garbage everywhere. Concrete it, jungle, wet dream tomato, I, man. Like <laughs> constant, constant, just overcrowding. I hate it here. I hate it here. Kenny, what's your opinion on New York? Here's the thing. I respect your opinion and I get it because everything you said is fucking true. At the same time, I fucking love New York just because there's no place like it, but I like to visit it. I don't fucking live there. You know what I mean? And I don't think that I could, right? But like, I mean, I've just spent so much time in New York and uh, just the, you know, there's something special about like going to the raddest uh you know mashimoto sushi dinner and then going to your friend's rooftop and there's a fucking blood moon going on and fucking you're smoking joints and like i don't know there's something special about new york but literally everything dave said is exactly true so i can't I just hate wrong it. No, no, i don't know if this is kosher or not colin's the man who who steers this but can we start on the guest list off to guest list right now sure or, sure because that was my off the guest list I was I was like this place fucking blows it can like it it has to be a part of my life for at least five more years. Um, How deep it, have you gone in New York though? Like, are you have you yeah, is this like so your first time? Is this your tenth time? So my mom's right in a part of New her family. So half my family's from right in a part of New Jersey where like you can identify with New York City or Philadelphia. Copy that, yeah. So I always grew up coming to New York City. I remembered when I was like 10, 12 years old doing like the Ellis Island Statue of Liberty bullshit um i hated it back then when i was really young not to be too somber but um there was a picture of me in the observation deck of the world trade center in may i still have it at my parents house wow of a um, may 2001 so six months or whatever beforehand not even five four five months jesus beforehand. jesus but uh i just don't like the city um i will say this the food is excellent yeah very very good food but other than that like i just can't stand it I'll be honest, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. we've I spent so much time in New York just because it's like the closest fucking giant market. I'll always have little brother syndrome when it comes to that Philly, New York beef, because we're like, fuck them. Who do they think they are? Yeah. Over the years, I've grown to enjoy it more as we've broken more into the New York market, because in the beginning, I remember we played Webster Hall. And when we loaded in, they treated us like we didn't we've never been to a show before. They were like, do you know what you're doing? Don't leave any doors open. This is New York. And I'm like, dude, I'm from Philly the fuck shut up like don't don't treat me like i'm some redheaded stepchild you piece of shit and then now, <laughs> now we have spots in new york like rockwood music hall and like i enjoy it a lot we have friends up there i'll always be a philly guy and i'll never really like love love new york but it's grown on me i'm in the middle man between the two of you so i'll give you that dave you're in barstool hq anyway you're in a wonderful spot good for you it's wonderful Can I name drop something cameras piping all over every corner of you so if you say one stupid thing you know it's getting blasted on the internet that's why I like <laughs> right yeah exactly shit you you're know, like, I, like I don't want to get made fun of on the internet the internet's a relentless place barstool is big brother now <laughs> yeah. oh, oh there it is. like there's no hiding it either like if you do something stupid like 
for instance, sleepwalk in the middle of Manhattan at four in the morning, you will get caught. Will you were in the middle of a documentary. You were in the middle of a game show, and you sleptwalk in the middle of icy New York. And don't you deserve it at that yes, point? That's like, funny. It's kind of, I was like, "Come on, we don't. That's not. No one's gonna laugh at that. No one's gonna." And I knew, like, I was gonna get just roasted. Well, I watched I watched the rundown a lot, and I always feel bad for people who are just like walking by, or someone says some dumb shit while they're recording the rundown, and it's just like, all right. You're the guy now. We're fucking frying you for the rest of the time. It's a, it's listen. It's the internet, man. It's how this shit works. But uh, before we move into anything else, I just want to say, Kenny, what the fuck happened to your arm, dude? So do we? Are we continuing yeah. off the list because I have yeah, an off the list now? What is it? Off my list, home DIY motherfucking projects. I stuck a goddamn drill. It's a little bit better now with this band aid. I stuck a quarter inch size drill bit through my arm like a good solid half inch into my fucking arm. There was still guts on the drill bit that my friend was like, bro, look at this fucking thing. And I went to the doctor yesterday and they're like, we would stitch you up, but the skin's gone. There's not, there's nothing to pull together. There's just a hole. So it's like, just a hole. it's a fucking gnarly hole, straight drill bit into the arm. Like that's so metal. Holy hey, shit. Hey, hey, I don't know if you remember this, but like a month ago, I put building shit off my guest list. So I don't have any empathy for you and this is nobody's fault but your own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I took this on I took this upon myself and it was and I got overconfident because yep. I was just raging and getting shit done and da 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 <laughs> fucking owl, man. Anyway, so off my list. Oh, you know what? I deserve it. You know what? I'll do it too. I'll do my off the list. We'll go into on the list later. But my off the list, I spent a wonderful weekend on the shore with my wife. But in the eternal battle of white people versus the sun, we took another L, boys. I got fucking fried. Oh, my God. I was wearing a basketball jersey, and it's just a clean red line, man. And you're going to have that exact, like, tank top tan line the rest of summer. Now, I will say this. I got the Italian in me, so I get burnt once, and then after that, for the rest of the year, I don't have a problem with it. But this was my one time. The problem is I was on the beach for, like, two hours. It was overcast. It was, like, 70 degrees, and we got off the beach, and me and my wife were both like, Dude, what the fuck, man? So I went Supreme to the race my ass. <laughs> nah, man, we took another L, bro. So that's off my list. Uh, let's go. The let's, sun. The sun like, is, the off, sun my is off my list. Let's uh, <laughs> let's talk about our interview today. We have Isaiah Sharkey. Dave set this one up. Unbelievable interview. I'm telling you right now, Sharkey. First off, amazing guitar player. His list of credits is unbelievable. We go into it in the interview. But if you're a D'Angelo fan. And you want to hear how this man started working with D'Angelo? It's really it's an like unbelievable story. It's an unbelievable story. So get ready for that. Uh, we also have our pick of the week, Tamara Effect. She was supposed to be on the show today. She's not feeling well. She is from Tel Aviv, Israel, and she is doing super well on AAA Radio in America. Uh, we're going to play her song Crossbow at the end of the episode. Uh, but before we go into anything else, I just want to say, when we talk to Sharky, his stories and the way he talks about things lining up in his life, it just made me think about how fucking wild everybody's journey is in this industry. And I don't know why the first thing it made me think about was just how different everybody's shit is. And I was thinking about something in my journey that's different. And Kenny, I'll ask you yours too, but like, I don't know that anybody has ever played a stadium and then gone and worked a shift at a restaurant in the morning, like five hours after. I did that. I've, I've done that multiple times. I played huge festivals, come off tour, and went and waited tables and bartended the morning after. That's, that's a fucking, tight. That's a cool motherfucking story, dude. That's tight, bro. That's I what I'm saying. That. Like, is, is, the, the more you guys grow and the bigger you guys get, you're going to look back and really appreciate that shit. 
hundred percent. I remember driving back from a, a festival and I still had the trailer hooked to the back of my Jeep and I was late. So I had to swerve and like park this thing like mm-hmm. in the middle of the road basically and run in. And uh we've just been through some shit and it's a unique story. And the way you hear Sharky talk about the way that he started working with D'Angelo and the way he worked with the Isley brothers and all this shit. It's a really unique story. Kenny, can you think of anything off the top of your head like that kind of like something completely weird and different? Yeah. How about this? Uh, um, the song sale was written and finished and blowing up before we had ever even played a show or put a band together. That is and so they, fucking weird. Right. So the song so we had to build a band because the song was getting so big. And so we started building a band, rehearsing, playing crazy girls, you know, strip clubs in LA's, got the deal and then moved on from there. But yeah, that's like, you know, that was that was a really weird. And then because like so like Austin was the first place to to play it. Shout out Toby Ryan, fucking legend Hell guy yeah. over there at 101X. Um there's a couple people who say they were the first to play it. Toby mm-hmm. was the first to play it. Anyways, um the song started getting big, so we heard we're splitting tacos because we were so poor. Uh and so we're like, fuck, we gotta put a band together. Let's put a band together. We put a band together, we play like a rehearsal, we go out to Austin to play almost our first show to like a sold out five hundred cap. Fucking stubs indoor shows with girls crying and all this shit. And that would like that. We were all like, are you? What the fuck? Was there like a little bit of panic that set in at that point? Like, I don't even know what the fuck I'm doing here. A hundred percent. The first solid couple years was a lot of looking at each other on stage going. What is, you know, like, like all the time. Yeah. All the time. And then we'd be like, we had these talk back mics that we only, we could hear in our ears Mm -hmm. wouldn't go out of the thing. So like, we'd go over and be like, you know, like, Hey, extend this bar, you know, one beat or whatever the fuck. But a lot of times it'd be like, are you guys fucking believing this shit? <laughs> fucking James Hetfield's on the side of stage. Fucking like all this different shit. You know? Wait, so let me good. ask you There's a question. The- so I've heard the like genesis of the of the song sale and you just kind of went into it a little bit right there. So by the time you were playing at that show in Austin, uh, like how much time was in the middle of like from writing it in 45 minutes, getting stoned in your buddy's apartment or whatever to that show? Like, did you guys even have to write some music? Yeah. So what what happened was, Aaron had already had had three songs. Um, if I remember correctly, it was "Burn It Down," "All I Need," and "Guilty Filthy Soul." Uh, and he did those with the producer I was engineering for as a young up and coming, just got to LA engineer. Uh, and I got to work "Burn It Down" with them, which ended up being the final song on that first record. And then Aaron and I started sail together. Uh, and so then that song went out to radio sale um, and we started getting a little bit of pickup from there. We put the band together. We played three shows in LA and then we got signed to Red Bull and they sent us out to Austin. That was all probably within three months. Dave, that is thing. not normal. No, that I is know not normal not. at all. Right, exactly. And I tell people that all the time that like, you know, yeah, and it was not. like, for, and so the other crazy thing about sale was that it was such a slow grower. Like, yeah, I got big early on but it just kept growing and growing and growing and growing and then as soon as it hit the top of alternative number one and crushing all that and it started to come back down somehow pop picked it up and then we went to the pop charts so we got to like number 21 on the pop charts or something playing shows with miley cyrus and we're like what the fuck are we doing here kind of shit but so it was like a four year just continual growth that the whole time we're like I don't even know. They're like, guys, you need to spend this money for the show budget. You need to spend this money for production. We're like, uh, okay. okay They're like, you guys need to go. They're like, go down, go down to the guitar center. They're waiting for you. Go. You need to go get some new guitars because we're, we're done running shit. You're like, 
okay, I'll go okay. Back. Yeah. It was like it was like that. All of us were like holding hands. Like I don't know what to do right now. And then it, here's a different perspective. So you're talking about that like three month gap, right? Now on the other hand, for us. It's been like six to seven years of constant, like amazing shit happening, mm -hmm. but never being able to pay our bills off of what we're doing. We had times where we'd have a song on the radio in 10 different cities. And then I remember like waiting tables and we performed on Fox on TV and then looked up at the screen in the fucking restaurant. I'm bartending and I'm behind myself playing on TV. And everybody's like, at what, work. what are you doing here? And I was like, I got to. I got to pay my bills. I don't know what the fuck to tell you. Like, this is weird. And like so much shit like that. So this is, this, this is not a one size fits all. No, not, not at all. Not at and all. we were very, and that was the thing is that we were very aware of that. We, we, we were very aware. I don't want to say that we felt undeserving because we knew we were good. Honestly, we, mm -hmm. we knew our live show was fucking crushing and we were good at what we did, but we were very, very aware of how lucky we were the whole time, oh, yeah. you know, and we really took it to heart and talked about it. And that's why we put so much into those shows and so much into touring and touring 300 days a year. And like, crazy. because we took it fucking seriously and, and we love doing it, you know? And we, on the other hand, we took every opportunity, every fucking scrap of a chance we got and the love we put into it. And like, just, there's always this hope, this hope that something's going to go right. Right. Something's going to go right. And this shit's all going to work. And then the pandemic happened and somehow I guess through sheer fucking force of will and circumstance and random shit happening, just like Sharky said, we're going to come out on the other side better. And I can't, I, I love this shit and I'm so happy to be, I'm happy to be on the journey with you guys too. This is fucking awesome, yeah, bro. It's yeah, weird. Bro. How it's like, like, I don't know, a year ago, right? I mean, we were in the midst of all the shutdowns and everything a year ago, but a little over a year ago, if you would have said I'm doing this fucking podcast with, you know, with you two, I'd have been like, what? What? Get out of here! That's life, what? baby. That's life, baby. I mean, yeah. I just, I just met Kenny like a year ago. Yeah, this yeah, asshole yeah. had no reason to welcome me into his home studio, and look at where we are now. Who the fuck How knows, man? It? It's, it's a beautiful thing. So, uh, that was a great way to start. Let's go into music news real quick, and we'll go right into on the list. We already did off the list, so we'll go into on the list. But uh, as far as music news, you're seeing more and more shows get announced. Sincerely, I'm seeing a lot of venues in my yeah. city book up, which is great for me we're announcing our first show tomorrow i would talk about it now but i can't talk about it uh it's fucking huge and i'm excited kenny do you have anything lined up yet fuck no <laughs> i live in i live in california bro there should Facts. shut down man no i'm lucky we're, we have a big show announced tomorrow um on top of the huge shows getting announced that means more people are going to start putting out music because the the labels feel like they can actually get ready to, to like start promoting shit uh, so we had Eric Church, Royal Blood, DJ Khaled just put out a mess of an album. I don't even know what the fuck you call that at this point. Uh, the Weeknd and Ariana Grande have the number one song in the world. All is basically on track as it usually is. And then we have Billie Eilish who just dropped a song. So I'm actually going to go right into my on the list here. And my on the list is Billie Eilish. And I want to talk about this for a minute. So she just put out a song called Your Power. By the way, the first Billie Eilish song that I've ever heard that right away I was like, I'm on this one. This is fucking sick different it's a little folkier you can tell it sounds like it was made in her bedroom with her brother which is kind of her thing that's what she goes for which makes it more honest sounding. so uh, dude and honesty is where i'm going is it honest it. sounding or is it honest yes both, it, both. the story behind the song is interesting she 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 did an interview with uh british vogue which of course she there was a big photo shoot where she looks completely different that came out and uh 
what what I want to talk about is what she said within the interview. And she talked a lot about the song is about uh, abusive power or abusive relationships and things like that, which for a 19-year-old to be that clear-headed to know exactly what she wants to say, because you know in her camp, she, what she's saying is coming from her. That's what she does. But what I want to talk about is when the, the person interviewing her said, you know, uh, I see there's a lot of changes going on. Your look, your sound, all this shit. And a 19-year-old said, I just feel like I can do whatever the fuck I want. That right there, ladies and gentlemen, is what I want to hear. And she's a fucking role model for a lot of these kids. Kids love her, dude. She's got 43 million monthly listeners on Spotify. That's the message they should be hearing. Not, you know, I'll do what I want to do, like, not being like a hard ass or anything, but legitimately saying when it comes to my creativity and what I want to do and how I want to present myself, I can do whatever the fuck I want. That's badass. 100% non-coward. That's Hell what I'm yeah. talking about. And that's why she's so great. She, one of the, the posts she put up, I think the post she put up, the caption was do whatever you want, whenever you want, fuck everything else. Hell yeah. Amen. That's Amen been a big that. theme, especially on Kenny's part, you know, of the, of this podcast. So Dude, I got shout to out respect for. I got to read that article too. That's the thing. I I, I really I've never been one to. I, I don't lie. I've never really gotten into her music. I respect the hell out of her because she's she's carved a path. But this was something I was like, I can I can get with this and with you for sure. Like in whether it's fair or not, like we've talked about this ad nauseum for a while now. Like I just assumed that new music, and I'm doing air quotes. I know it's podcast, not good listening, but it's um, bad radio. I, I, I just assume that all newer music's just like bred in a lab with like test tubes and chemists and it's all the people behind the scenes. A lot of it is. It is. Well, that's that, that. A lot of it is that's what's on the top 10 yep. pop yep. charts. You know what I mean? But then you get people like Billy who come in and slide in, you know, with that honest shit and it peeks its fucking eyes through, you know? Dude, yeah. and the coolest thing is within the article, you read that her album, the, the big album, it was uh, Where Do We All Go When We Go When We Fall Asleep. That's the name of the record, right, Kenny? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was made without label interference. They just said to her, okay, you obviously have your shit together. Go make it in with your brother at your house and send it in, and we'll just put it out. First of all, that's really hard to do, just on a logistical standpoint as an artist. But two, maybe this might be a trend for the future where labels might finally say, hey, maybe we should back the fuck off and stop sticking our nose in everything. And if she is the catalyst for that, more power to her and give her a fucking wing in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's, I hate that's... to be the, the pessimist. Good. But yeah, fucking right. I yeah, mean, like, no, that's like, name, name any business where people aren't fucking trying to like steer that ship the way they think I it's going to go. And they don't look at people like artists as fucking tools in their marketing belt. Bro, but Warner, Warner you Brothers have somebody has been as... fucking up their movies for years that way. Well, they 100%. Keep... But it's like, but then every once in a while, you'll get somebody like Billie Eilish who, honestly, they see fucking huge dollar signs in oh, their yeah, eyes. So 100%. they're like, Whatever the fuck you want to do. You, me, Dave. No, 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 no. Dave, remember when we were talking to Sharky and we will hear this later in the interview where you said, like, how could you manage touring with the Ozzy Brothers and D'Angelo when you were 19? Mm -hmm. My same question goes, how can you have the pressure of a generation of people looking at you? Not only that, have an overarching label looking down on you and say, I'm going to do what the fuck I want. I couldn't tie yeah. my shoes when I was 19. I love that, dude. I don't. Oh, my awesome. God. I was a fucking moron when I was 19, Full moron. bro. Oh, Full my moron. God. There, so was a, there was, like, I mean, this is kind of stupid to bring up, but whatever. But there was, like, I went to college 3.1 miles from my parents' address to, like, our main campus building, which is a 5K. That's how close I went to college. Wow. And there was a point when I was 19 where my mom was picking me up every other week from my dorm room 
to go take me to the courthouse for underage drinking shit, let alone <laughs> what you said, like having the pressure of an entire world with their and, eyeballs on you and your bosses, your the record label. That is absurdly impressive. To there say. are special people. There, there are is. special people in this world, and sometimes an A&R person will go to the right show on the right night at the right venue and be like, this fucking person is special. Mm -hmm. And another thing is, too, when you read the interview, she talks about a lot of heavy stuff about, about being a role model and body positivity and all this shit. And never in there do you look at it and feel like you're reading a, uh, a canned statement that is like, talk about, about these points. You are getting just unfiltered conversation from this young woman who is legitimately has her fucking head on her shoulders. And it's remarkable to see because I know 19-year-old Colin wouldn't know what the fuck to do. And I know 19-year-old Kenny wouldn't know what to do. And Dave was at court, so we know he wouldn't know what to do. So who the fuck knows? I just wanted to get that out of the way and say, shout out Billie Eilish. I hope more people think like you. Uh, Dave, who was on your list? On my list was my couch. Um, <laughs> since I'm in New York City, I'd rather be on my couch recording this interview right now. It's a really shitty couch. It's my couch. Um, I bought it for 500 bucks off Wayfair like a year and a half ago. And it I spilled on it and it's pleather, not real leather oh. pleather. So all the leather's dried up and like cracking. And I still I would rather be there on that couch as we speak than in New York City. I respect that. I respect that. Couch. I, I lived on couches that. for many years. I respect that. There's <laughs> nothing better than a good couch, you know? There's nothing. There's also nothing worse because I love sleeping in hotels. There's nothing worse than when you get a hotel bed that sucks because you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Ah, dude, the hotel we stayed at down the shore was great this weekend, but the hotel bed, it was like a fucking trampoline. Like yeah, it, we yeah, both were waking up at like random times in the middle of the night just being like, you can't sleep? Me neither. Uh, Dave, I mean, that's dead honest, dude. I like that. Uh, Kenny, who's on your list? I got a random one today mm. just because I, you know, when I'm listening to music, I always go back, you know, kind of far. And I started diving back into the Flaming Lips, all the old stuff. Ooh, Man, Wayne Coyne and like Flaming Lips and like one of the best live shows you'll ever see. They just announced a new tour, 2021, 2022, uh, which I'm really excited to see. Their shows are fucking insane. All of their music is legendary. And I've just had a really good time going through their 20 record discography over the Seriously. last week. Just like put go to Flaming Lips, put it on shuffle. And it's such a beautiful, incredible sound. So anyway, that's my random. Very weird instrumentation. Very weird. They, they'll try anything. They, Creative as fuck. They'll throw, acoustic, like them. they'll throw acoustic guitars in the middle of a fucking jam. Like, it, like they're just random shit we'll hear at different times. The, the Flaming Lips have a really incredible career. Here's a quick wing coin story. Tulsa, Oklahoma, we are playing a festival, Brady Street Festival. This must have been 2012 or 2013. We were playing it with fucking Primus was supposed to play. What? Flaming Lips was going to be the headliner, and they had their huge video wall, like their half-moon video wall and all this different shit. Um, and a, like, tornado, hurricane, monsoon, crazy storm comes in. Like, people are freaking out. Everybody's like, get off the bus. The whole <laughs> stage collapses. All the video shit goes down. Like, one of those days. Like, pure fucking mayhem. In the middle of all the mayhem is Wayne Coyne standing, in, like, in the back lot with, like, ten beautiful women just around him, just talking and laughing. And I don't know how this really, we really got to this, but we told our guitar tech, Patrick Thomas, shout out to Patty. We just go, I dare you to go and smack Wayne's ass. Just randomly. Like I fucking dare you to walk over there and smack Wayne's ass. Without hesitation, Patty goes over there, bop, smacks what? Wayne Coyne right on the ass. It starts to kind of walk away nervously. And Wayne Coyne goes, where are you going, bro? 
come hang out. Uh, and, the, and Patty went and hung out with Wayne Coyne and these 10 chicks for like the next two hours just during her man. Just random fucking story. No, we're another quick side note about Flaming Lips. They're one of the only people I know where their crew guys wear the same outfit the <laughs> band guys are gonna wear. So if like the band guys gonna wear an NBA jersey, a Celtics jersey, their crew guys wearing that jersey. So when they're sound checking, they look like the band, and you what? get so confused when the band comes out. You're like, wait, 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 they're in the same doppelganger. Yeah, yeah, they got great, the band. They got the flaming lips out there setting up their own boards. The it's fuck so out of funny, here. dude. What a great fucking band, man. Oh, man. All right, so that's on the list, off the list. Uh, real quick, let's go into what the fuck we've been listening to. Uh, I'll start it out. Uh, Ryan Bingham. Uh, I've been listening to, uh, I don't know, just being down the shore and driving, maybe want to listen to some more like country type stuff. This is some good Americana. Uh, Ryan Bingham, if you've ever seen the show Yellowstone, he's a character on that show. He's now an actor. I don't know if uh, I've uh, heard of him before. Ryan Bingham. Joel drummer and AWOL used to play for Ryan Bingham. Ryan Bingham, shit, dude. Yeah, so I picked the song South Side of Heaven. Just good, like, he's got a really raspy voice, but it feels like that California country soul kind of like eagle shit, but with a little bit of like a Texas mix in there. South Side of Heaven by Ryan Bingham. It's like a five-minute long song. It's a journey, but it's fucking beautiful. So shouts out Ryan Bingham. That's my pick. Dave, what the fuck have you been listening to? Um, so he mentioned them in the interview, but I started throwing on Steely Dan a lot more Ooh. over the, so Steely Dan. So growing up like John Prine, my dad would like force them down my throats. Mm. And when I'm talking really young, like seven, eight, nine years old, and that's not the kind of shit a seven, eight, nine year old is going to listen to, you know, but as I got older, you know, I'm 10, 12 years old. I'm developing like an actual brain. Like I was like, these guys are fucking awesome. Oh yeah. These guys are fucking awesome. And, and we can just go with the chalk pick reeling in the years. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at their discography now. They haven't had anything come out since it looks like, I mean, a bunch of live albums and just old shows, but two third, 1994, it looks like it was their last actual album release. So. Well, interesting um, thing about Steely Dan, they, they were just a studio band for a while. Yeah, studio band. So it was just two guys playing like every instrument from what I'm aware of. Correct. Dude, they are the classic early nineties parent concert cocaine yeah. band oh yeah like, oh yeah perfect like we're gonna get fucking lit tonight said your parents in 1992 to go watch fucking steely dan play bro uh, uh th that was a band that i did not appreciate until later on in life uh until i was like probably like mid-20s and i remember like everybody's heard the song dirty work a million times and, you know it's a fucking classic it's a classic rock staple and then you listen to it when you're in the music industry and you're like creating shit and you're like Everything is so clean. Everything is perfect. Like, this is stupid. And then you hear something like Peg, and you're like, this is the funkiest shit I've ever heard in my entire life. Shouts the fuck out to Steely Dan. Great pick. 100%. Dave. Back that, back that, back that. Back that ass up. All right, Kenny, what the fuck have you been listening to? I go back in time again. Uh, my Instagram Explore page currently is all old Nirvana live shows, just because you know yeah. how the algorithm oh, goes. You like a couple things, and it's just fucking forever. So... I've gotten deep into the old Nirvana live shit, live at the Paramount, live at Reading and all these ones. I got so deep that I went on Amazon and I rented Nirvana live at Reading, 92. Yeah. It's one of the best fucking concerts of all fucking times. The second song they play, Drain You, it's on Spotify. I was listening to it like as what like it's one of the heaviest fuck Dave Grohl's fucking drum performance Drums. and Kurt's goddamn guitar tone. Oh my God, it's all just... Hundred thousand percent drum hits is fucking epic. Dude, I love the it. second that shit drops in and it's just curtain like the fucking like clean guitar and say, yeah. one baby to yo. I did not appreciate. Once again, did not appreciate Kurt's gift for melody, vocal melody, 
and being so raspy out of it, and then fucking that vocal melody. The fuck out of here, dude. Unbelievable. All time, dude. All time. All right. Great pick. Everybody's done a great job today, guys. I'm I'm usually yeah. not giving out as many comments. Hey, hey, guys. Real quick, Kenny. Uh wait, how do you go to explore? How do you go to Instagram? Uh, the hourglass thing at the bottom left. <laughs> next to the home tab, bro. Dave's like, it's all booty videos. What is this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't know. <laughs> the explore page very incorrectly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why would we I want to see we're... anything on Instagram other than Instagram models? In fact, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. I I'm hear you. Dave I put is... like Instagram models right next to uh Dave Grohl's snare tone. Yeah, yeah. No, I do got the occasional like 30 second, you know, the uh what is it called? Fuda or foodie or whatever. Like oh, yeah, 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 yeah. tasty, tasty. I'm sorry. Tasty. tasty, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, like 30 second do it at do yourself at home videos that I actually never follow through on cooking myself. I just order takeout because I'm a lazy Dave's, yeah, yeah. Dave's explore page is just like B pick, booty pick, booty pick, food, booty pick, booty yeah. pick. I respect food. it. That's yeah, pretty man. fucking American, man. It's that's honest. Great. It's honest, bro. I gotta give him credit. It's honest. All right. So that's our segment. We're about to go into our interview with Isaiah Sharkey. All right, ladies and gentlemen, on the guest list today, we have a guitar player and a man with one of the most impressive set of credits I've ever seen in my entire life. We have Isaiah Sharkey on the podcast. Isaiah, thank you for being here today, man. Uh, thank you for having me, man. No problem. It's an honor. Uh, I'm going to let Dave start this because you guys have something in common. I'm going to let the Chicago stuff get out of the way first. So, Dave, go ahead. So, I, I'm born, bred Chicago. Uh, family's all from the South Side. Um, so I saw you, I, I sent a tweet out at a John Mayer concert at the United Center. This was in uh, March, it was almost two years ago to like the day. It was March or April of 2019. And I said, some dude just started playing guitar at the United Center and John Mayer stopped everything he was doing and just let him do his thing. He's one of the most impressive guitarists I've ever seen. Who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> a bunch of people responded that were like, yo, that's Isaiah Sharkey, he's a Chicago guy. So I immediately fell in love. I was like, this dude's music is incredible. So as we started this podcast, this is our 12th or 13th episode together. Um, we've had some like world famous rock stars on Chris Shiflett of the Foo Fighters, Corey Wong, just had Mark Roberge of OAR a couple weeks ago. And I was more excited to finally get a hold of you and your people than any of those guys because of how much I love your music and how, uh, and, and our Chicago connection. So we'll get into the Chicago stuff in a minute, but uh, thank you for what you do. Um, your music got a lot of people, myself included, through this this whole mess of the last year or so with the pandemic. Um, but we'll start there. So like, how have you been staying busy over the course of the pandemic? Yeah, it started out a bit rough, just like everybody else. Uh, you know, right around March, you know, I had a lot of stuff lined up for this year, you well, last mm. year and this year. And everything got canceled in literally one or two days. Everything, my whole year was canceled. So I'm like, geez, well, you know, what's <laughs> gonna happen? You know, cause this is what we do, you know, at least for me, this is what I do full time mm -hmm. uh, since I was a, you know, teenager, you know, and this is how I took care of my family. This is kind of, you know, that whole sort of thing. So uh, it was a bit challenging. And uh, I think it, it, it caused everybody to kind of pause and think and see what other things you got lined up to make sure that everything is, uh, you know, as, uh, as we say in Chicago, copacetic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like, uh, then stuff kind of started picking back up in, in July, I started doing some other projects and stuff. And so 
um, working on a new album, working on um, some pro- other people's projects and stuff like that. Actually working on a film score, my Ooh. first film score, so that's, that's been good. Go. And I've uh, been doing a bit of traveling, a little bit of stuff. So it's been, I, I feel very fortunate and blessed to be able to be working because there's a lot of people that aren't, you know. And I mean, you, you pride yourself just through digging through your credits on collaboration. And especially either live or working in the studio with other other musicians, did you get to work on a lot of music during quarantine with other people, or were you focusing more on on what you could do in your own space because of the restrictions that were going on? Uh, it started out focusing on just my craft in general mm. before not even recording music. It was just like, you know what? Let me get better as a guitarist, as a musician. Let me. Um, I got nothing but time on my hands. <laughs> uh, and, you know, of course, besides the music, I was, you know, spending a lot more time with my daughter, you know, my, my family and stuff like that. Um, that was like first thing, priority. But then after that, the guitar music was like, okay, let me refocus myself, see if I can uh, better myself. As far as recording, um, again, it started out as just me trying to, you know, create some stuff in my own space. Cause you know, we were all scared as hell yeah. <laughs> you yeah. all like I can't touch you. I can't even stand next to you. No, I can't. And so, um, uh, yeah. So I basically started out with that, and then like towards when things kind of started opening up a little bit, um, like that's around maybe I guess June or July. Um, I started doing some collaborations a little bit where they would, you know, have the studio sessions, the social distance, everybody. Yeah. Put you in a corner, put a person in the closet, put another person in the back. Oh, yeah. You putting yeah. one person in the live room, you're shutting somebody else in, in a closet. You're just trying to keep people as distance as yeah, humanly man. possible. Yeah, everybody's looking like Transformers because they got masks and shit. You know, but it, it's cool. But a lot of virtual stuff, you know, a lot mm. of virtual collaborations. Um, that would... I don't mean to cut you off, but uh, that was one thing I was going to say when I was when I was digging through some of, of what you've done during quarantine. I even saw a lot of the stuff you did with Reverb, and mm-hmm. you were doing almost like little mini like lessons or like teaching people things through Reverb and YouTube. Mm-hmm. Was that something that you had planned on doing prior to quarantine, or was this like Reverb hit you up and was like, hey, we could do something content-wise here? Well, the, actually, the Reverb stuff was uh, recorded years ago, actually. Really? Yeah, and I think they just started reposting things to kind of make, make things, you know, kind of. Got to post something. (laughs) So, but I have done uh, lessons, you know, where I would, you know, have Zoom webinars and stuff like that, and and you know, have some students and we teach. We go over like different types of lessons, like R and B, guitar, jazz guitar, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, so a lot of that stuff going on. See, now one thing we're doing with the podcast, and we've had we've had so many guitarists on so far that. I've said, we're teaching Dave, me and Kenny from AWOL Nation are teaching Dave to be a rock star. One of the things that we're doing is teaching him to play the guitar. Mm-hmm. I- Isaiah, we got to set up some virtual sessions here. We got to get Dave working. We need to get Dave, we need to get Dave's skill up. And I can't do it by myself. So you're going to have to help with this. Hey, we can make it work, man. We can make there it we work. go. One thing that I want to do, like, <clears throat> obviously being from Chicago in the summer, festivals and concerts and street fests, they run this summer. So my grand vision of this whole thing is to get everybody that we've had on the show, OAR, Foo Fighters, Wolfpack, Isaiah Sharkey, anybody and everybody, and just throw them all in, in like like a little mini uh, Lollapalooza, but like with everybody that's been on the show, I think that would kill it. And I wanted you to be the headliner of that. 
David oh, Palooza. Yeah, we'll call it, we'll call it David Palooza. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm down with that. Sounds real fun and, and good. And I'm hope we can do it sooner than later. So there, there we go. Absolutely. All right. So enough of the pleasantries. Let me nerd out for a minute here. Yeah. Because I got put onto your list of credits. And when Dave, because Dave, Dave really pushed for this, Dave was like, we need Isaiah Sharkey. We need Isaiah Sharkey. And I knew the name. And I have seen you live before you, when you were with John Mayer. And that's how I knew the name. And then Will, our saxophone player, said, dude, you need to look in the list of credits. <laughs> and I lost my mind. Because the first thing I did was I checked out your, your, your solo record. And I saw Robert Glasper on there and DJ Jazzy Jeff and Layla Hathaway. And I was like, holy shit. I texted Dave. I was like, dude, we are working with a monster here. Because that's unbelievable. But I did say to Dave, I was like, dude, this guy must OD on D'Angelo because I get such a vibe right now. I'm the world, I'm, I'm a D'Angelo fanatic. And then I saw you worked on Black Messiah. And I was like, dude, he you started were, nerding out big time. I did. I nerded out big time. You've worked on stuff that has shaped me as a musician and as a person. So I just want to say thank you. But I want to run through some of these names and I need to know your experience working with them. Did you get to be in the studio with Robert Glasper? Oh yeah, I'm uh, actually working with Robert um, now on some projects that he has coming out soon. So I've oh. been flying back and forth. I've been doing other sessions in LA, and you know we're good friends. So he'll call me up, "Hey, Shark, I need you to play on this." So he's he's got some stuff brewing. But yeah, I've been in the studio with him. He's fantastic. what is it like to be in the studio with Robert Glasper? Uh, it's jokes and mm. more jokes and more, <laughs> more jokes and. Uh, we don't really talk about the music a whole lot. We just, we, we, you know, we just hang out. He'll play something. I might hear it once or twice. Then he's like, all right, see what you just play. He just trusts you implicitly and just goes, go ahead, do what you do. Yeah, do what you do. I trust you. Uh, and if he has any like particular ideas or something like that, that he might have in mind for guitar, he'll say, I, I want to hear this little line here. I was thinking that, but you tell me or whatever. And I'm like, all right, cool. And then we'll shape it all out. And then, and then we'll start hanging out again. And see, he seems like that kind of guy too. You see a lot of like the stuff he does on YouTube or social media. He seems like a laid back guy. And then all of a sudden you realize he's like one of the best musical minds in the world. He's incredible. I mean, um, for my album, the uh, Love is the Key album, he played on a song uh, called Psycho Majestic Coma Like Love. <laughs> <laughs> Which it sounds like a Robert Glasper song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's very, 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 very much funk-inspired, uh, you know, Parliament Funkadelic. Mm. Um, but during that time, he couldn't fly out to Chicago, and I couldn't get to L.A. for him to record that. So it was just like a solo at the end of the song. And he heard it. He's like, all right, cool, I got you. And so this guy... Uh, takes his iPhone after he sends the WAV file of his solo, which was incredible. He sends me a video of him holding the phone. He's like, all right, Sharky, here's a solo. <laughs> then he's looking at me and making faces while he's playing the solo. Clowning. Unreal. So he's, just, he's, he's amazing guy. Very, I mean, for anybody listening, go check out Black Radio, Black Radio 2. Just, just masterpiece. Oh. And, <laughs> and then I was going to say, even like the trio stuff he did back in the day, like just unbelievable, man. Oh, yeah. In my element album, double oh. book, uh, mood, all that stuff. Dave, once again, if you if you want to learn, dude, just start listening to those records. It's it's oh, really I love, them. I love uh, them. All right, so the one that I really wanted to get into, 
was D'Angelo. Did you like grow up a D'Angelo like fan or did, was that like something that brought you into the music world or was this just like, I need to know the experience. Give me the experience. Yeah. So, I mean, before I even heard of D'Angelo, you know, I was a little kid when Brown Sugar came out. I was mm-hmm. like, maybe I think that was 95. So I might've been five or six years old. Yeah. Um, and growing up, my, 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 my father, his brothers and sisters were all musicians. So I was already listening to a lot of Prince I was listening to a lot of Sly and the Family Stone, uh, a lot of quartet, gospel quartet music, because mm. I grew up in church and playing mm. quartets. And then, um, you know, just all of the stuff that uh, if you would talk to D'Angelo, he would say that's what he grew up listening to and that's what he was doing. That's what he was into. And um, so right there, even before I heard his music, I'm like, there's a, there's a thing, there's a connection mm. there. I feel him. And so I heard Brown Sugar, and I loved Brown Sugar. Of course, everybody loved that. But one, my oldest brother, uh, who's a fantastic artist in, uh, in his own right, he came home when Voodoo came out. Oh. And, and he bought two copies. And this, this had to be like 2000, so I was 11. <laughs> <laughs> and he played it, him and my dad played it over the you know, big system in the house. And I'm sitting there like, oh my God, what the hell is it? <laughs> what is this and I just kept re- listening to that over and over and over and over again so uh, massive D'Angelo I was, uh, I've been a massive D'Angelo fan um, and you know saw uh, them on Chris Rock show with Spanky Alfred the late great Spanky Alfred played this incredible intro and I was like dude that's what I want to do I want to play with this guy I don't know, you know, D'Angelo's, he's the shit. Like, I, this dude is amazing. And so, long story short, um, back in like maybe 2008 or 2007, I was doing a, a, uh, a gospel court in Richmond, Virginia. It was, you know, for a local artist out there. And I, at the time, I, didn't, I had no idea that D'Angelo was from Richmond. So... You know, long, you know, again, long story short, met him in a music store. He heard me play. And we were, uh, he was like, dude, I need you as a guitarist. In my dude, it what? Because it, it started out as a joke. It was like, I was playing guitar. I, I wasn't supposed to be in the music store to begin with. Because, you know, for the gospel recording, you know, they were like, I, we had to wear a certain thing. So I had to dress up. I was like, mm. fuck, I have a belt. So I went to Walmart <laughs> and my guys went to Walmart, the other guys in the band, but there was a mom and pop like music store there and they gave lessons in the back of the store. So we jamming out, I'm messing with Ronald guitars. Uh, this guy, heavy guy comes out with a guitar and a guy walking with him. And I'm like, it's like, a, excuse me, but he's like, it's like, it's like a fake ass D'Angelo. <laughs> <laughs> And because I, I like to joke around, yeah. And so uh, my I was like, "Holy shit, this is this is him! It's actually D'Angelo." So I walked out the store, and I was like, "Excuse me, sir, I don't mean to bother you, but are you D'Angelo, dude?" I was I was planning <laughs> out, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm D'Angelo." I said, "Dude, I am a huge fan, and like my one of my mentors, my main mentor on guitar, Spanky Alfred, used to play with you, and I know he just recently passed." But I just want to say thank you. I'm gonna leave you alone. He's like, was that you playing in the store? I was like, yeah, that was me. So came back in the store, heard me play, and he's like, pull this phone up. You're my guitar player. That's how it happened. Dude, fuck 
that is like cosmic. Yeah, fate. that's like a spiritual moment. Yeah, right there. Oh, that was weird, divine, right? It was totally divine. I mean, because exactly. all this, all that time when he was like not doing you know, anything. People, yeah, I was like, man, that's like besides Steely Dan, that is my mm. my dream gig, right? I'm like, I, I I would love to play with him, but I don't think he's ever going to do anything again. And yeah. then that happened. You know. Thank God you didn't have a belt, dude. Thank, <laughs> thank yeah, God thank you didn't God, have yeah. a belt. Thank God you didn't have a belt. Shit. Yeah. And you called him at that moment, too, because first off, I just want to say this. You're saying it's like 2008, 2009. How old were you? I was 19 when I met him. So it was, and, and that's how old I was when I, we, I first started recording with him uh, for Black Messiah. Majority of Black Messiah album, I had to be like early 20, 19 or early 20. So like Sugar Daddy, I mean, uh, yeah, Sugar Daddy. Ain't that easy? Real love. Uh, uh, well, I didn't record really love. A lot of people really. Didn't it's actually a great guitarist uh, named Mark Hammond. He's a great classical Ooh. and uh, flamenco and jazz guitarist out in yeah. uh, California. Um, but majority of everything else on the album I play. Um, but yeah, those those songs I recorded when I was nineteen. You know that. How much of your career do you feel like that? Like kind of divine spiritual intervention with everything that you've gotten to do because the, the opportunities you've had and and the people you've worked with are just incredible like do you feel like so much of this just has been like fate all of it all of it man i mean i think there's a level of uh of work that you have to put in and dedication and love oh yeah you know, my father always my mother father always taught me anything you put love into uh wholeheartedly you will get the things that you desire and you need to be able to carry out your uh, kind of like, I guess your assignment. Yeah. You know? And so I think that's what it's been because I, sometimes I'll look up, you know, it freaks me out because, yeah. you know, so I'll look up and I'm like, holy shit, I'm with this person. I'm, I'm playing with this, this person. I just, I never even thought about playing with these because I mean, growing up, I just wanted to play guitar. I just wanted to be, I wanted to be like my dad and be like my uncles and, you know, and maybe uh, transcribe some stuff and feel better about myself as a musician. Yeah. And then, you know, all of that energy and love, you know, somehow it attracts what you want, you know, and, uh, and, and I'm very, I feel very blessed and fortunate to be able to do that. So I think all of it, man. Man, I can't lie. I needed to hear this conversation today. Because we've been grinding out at the podcast and the band's been grinding out so hard trying to make it through quarantine and get things out. I needed to hear that today. I really did. I needed to hear just you you get back what you attract. It's crazy. I mean, Dave talks so much. Dave, Dave and Kenny are the co-hosts say, I try too hard. Like, <laughs> I care too much. Dude, I love music. Yeah. I love music. And I can tell how much it means to you as well. Oh, yeah. You, you, can't, you can't care too much, you know? It's... it's if you feel like that's what you're born to do, then you roll with that, mm. you know, and it'll take care of you, you know, as long as you take care of it and yourself, you know? Um, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't think it's anything that, that I, uh, uh, privileges or, uh, situations that I've been in that hasn't blew my mind. Mm. I don't, I don't think that much of myself in, in that, in that way. You know what I mean? I'm going to stop you there and say you should think that much of yourself. You should, dude, 100%. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I'm not like, oh, dude, like, I'm here because I'm, you know. Like, oh, man. 
It's like <laughs> there's a million guitar players. I mean, on on the planet mm. that are great. Some you've heard of, some we haven't heard of, mm-hmm. and uh, everybody can't say that they've done this or done that. So for me, I'm like I'm very honored. So that's yeah. what I mean by that. Like I'm not. I don't think like I'm supposed to be. You know, the on that on that on that note of like the those moments where you're like, how the hell am I here? Is there one that sticks out to you where you were either playing a big show or you're in the studio with somebody and you're just like, hold the fuck on. How is this happening right now? What was your, like, what was that moment for you? The first one, I was 19, right before I met D'Angelo. My first R&B gig, like, on a higher scale was the Isley Brothers. What? And, and, uh, you know, growing up looking at the records, because my dad had a crazy collection. Yeah. I was watching, I was looking at the album covers, you know, and like Isley Brothers and Johnny Guitar Watch and all these people. And I'm like, damn, man. I looked up and I said, there's Ron. There's Ernie. <laughs> like, how? Like, when did this happen? Yeah. You know, because you're so busy. If you get the call, first of all, you're like, oh, damn, I got the call. Great. So now you work it. Now yeah. you're like, now you're rehearsing. Now you're making sure that you're honing in on your parts and making sure that you keep the job. Of course. Keep, keep where, you know, that, 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 that great opportunity. And after you got it and after you know your, your stuff and you're on stage, sometimes you have that moment where you be like, okay, this is, this is something. God, the Ozzy brothers got an eye for talent, dude. They really oh. do. Oh, <laughs> Let me ask you a question real quick. How hard was that as a 19-year-old? Because, like, I, I, I was telling Colin this a couple of weeks ago. If I could punch any person in the face on the planet, it'd be like the 21-year-old, 19-year-old me. Because <laughs> I was just such an idiot, you know? And if I was thrown onto a stage with the Ozzy brothers or, or, you know, fast forward a few years, John Mayer, whoever, uh, D'Angelo, mm-hmm. like, I don't know if I would have responded to it well because I wouldn't have been mature enough. Like, was that difficult? Um, it surprisingly, it wasn't so bad because again, my dad got me together when I was four. Mm. Um, my uncles got me together when I was four. They got a hold of me. They taught me about uh, the mature, mature uh, decisions and stuff that you make when you're you're playing music. They turned me on to all of this music that normally a 19 year old wouldn't be listening to. I had, well, before iPods, <laughs> I had my CD player mm. in school listening to, you know, again, Stilly Dan and Toto or listening to uh, Wes Montgomery or George Benson cookbook or all of that stuff, you know, like Jimi Hendrix, all yeah. these, all the shit that's before me. Right. So I was hip to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting with the Isley Brothers, it was some songs I hadn't heard before because obviously, you know, I'm 19. Mm-hmm. But there was majority of the stuff that we ended up playing, I had heard listening to records with, with my dad already. So it was now it was a thing of like, all right, you've been hearing it. It's it's in here. But now let's, let's fine tune it. Let's detail it. And so... I came with the understanding uh, of my responsibility and the uh, 
integrity of the music because I grew up with that. Yeah, and a reverence that, for it as well, like a exactly, reverence for what you're playing. Exactly. So I think that, uh, you know, I got to give, uh, you know, kudos and, and love to my, my father and my, my uncles for doing that. Um, I think the immature thing, uh, being a 19-year-old, is that you just didn't, you haven't lived yet. Mm. So your decisions, you know, the older we get, the, your decision-making in music kind of changes. And you, you kind of slow down. And you'd be like, is that necessary? Mm. Not. I mean, musically. Yeah, no. Uh, you know, and, and with life as well. But like, I, I had already been groomed to like be on time for, you know, for your flights, be on time for, you know, lobby call, all that stuff. Yeah. So that was never a problem. I didn't, wasn't a kid, fortunately, that wild out and was going crazy. I was just, let me play. And so, I th- but yeah, I think the, the thing that I had to mature on which wasn't on that gig so, I guess, because I wasn't soloing too much mm. and just doing a lot of rhythm and stuff. I think that that, that that didn't beat me up over the head too much. Yeah. Man, when when you bring up the, the idea of growing up with things that were before you, I was fortunate as well that my dad, he schooled me on everything. My dad made me learn blue standards he made me know where music came from he made me learn everything that came before me and there was like a like a period of time like in grade school and shit where like everybody else was listening to like emo shit and whatever and i was just like i'm listening to classic stuff so when i started going to nashville and working with producers and they'd bring up some obscure bob seeger song from like the first record i'd be like no i know exactly what you're talking about and they'd be like who are you yeah where did you where did you learn this like why, why do you know this i'm like because it's important to know right. you know what it, i mean it's right. funny that you guys keep bringing them up but um so i grew up in in like the athlete home so mm-hmm. i i never played an instrument my dad did make me take piano for a few years when i was like 10 or 12 but i always just wanted to have a ball or a stick or a bat in my hand at all times and uh my dad built this little uh, makeshift like batting cage in our backyard and he would just pepper me with baseballs and he'd be playing music the whole time and when i was like you know, 10 years old, you'd be playing Steely Dan and John Prine nonstop. And at first I was like, get this shit off, put it on NSYNC or whoever, you know? <laughs> but then like, as I got used to it, I'm like, man, John Prine is fucking awesome. This mm. guy is awesome, man, a Chicago guy. Yeah. And, and Steely Dan, like I grew up just doused with Steely Dan okay. nonstop. And I, we haven't even talked about them on the show at all. I love Steely Dan. Um, but I think it's, it's great that like, like, I think that's the kind of music that people should be brought up on. Like, mm-hmm. I, I talk to Colin about this all the time because I don't really enjoy today's music because it's bred in, a, like, a, a lab in, like, a test tube, I feel like, almost. Mm-hmm. And, and in, like, prior to today's musical generation, and that doesn't count for any everybody, I feel like that was actually music. Right. And it was heartfelt. And it wasn't, you know, like, with little uh, test tubes and Petri dishes and all that. Yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 uh, I feel the same way. I, I, I will say that I respect the music that is out um, mm. because there's, in, in the simplicity of using digital stuff and plugins and all that stuff, there isn't a, a art to it. Mm-mm. And uh, everybody can't make trap music. Facts, facts. <laughs> you know, even the, even the real musicians that we say, you know, it's like it to us because we come up in this so, so like traditional 
almost industrial type of age, right? Mm. There's this 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 thing where we're kind of purist in a sense. Yeah. And and uh, the music does have to move move forward. What I would say is I would love to see more. Um, uh, I guess musical instruments and yeah. musicality within the art of yes. the new music that's happening. Because I mean, again, how many people can make? that how many of the guys that are purists can make that type of style of music you know what i mean there is something special about trap music in a certain perspective yeah dude it's it's just it's punk in a way it really is it like is. yo even when you listen to something like playboy cardi because i love cardi i'm a i'm a me and kenny yeah. the other hosts are, are big rap guys there's something like almost like primitive and like like it's inside of you like i don't know like yeah. it is Trap has a space and it's so important and it's fun. Yeah. But I think even to a point like we bring up like today's music, right? Every I feel like even back in the sixties, people were listening to Motown and shit and they were like, What is this? This isn't traditional. This is I'm sure that was the case for sure. And now we look back on that and that's like a standard of American music. So right. fifty years from now we might be looking back at trap and what's going on now and being like that absolutely fair point. Yeah. What are you listening today, Isaiah? Like, what what interests you today, artists? What's on your Spotify playlist? Yeah, what's on your Spotify playlist? Um, I'm listening to a lot of Q-Tip. Ooh, uh, let's go. We can have this combo. <laughs> so I've been listening to a lot of Q-Tip, just all of his stuff. Um, of course, uh, let's see. I've been listening to a lot of Busta Rhymes lately. Oh yeah, Never a bad thing. Uh, cool. hmm. and then I'm always listening to Art Tatum. This Ooh. is like a drastic thing, but like yeah, that's a big switch. <laughs> but like, I listen to a lot of Art Tatum. I listen to um, uh, Christopher Parkin, hmm. uh, which is a fantastic classical guitarist. Um, just uh, hmm. Sly Stone. Uh, always listen to Parliament Funkadelic. Um, the necessities. I'm, yeah, uh, Queen Stone Age. Hell yeah, let's go. Yeah, Queen Stone Age. Oh man, you got anybody that? So all right, I'm sure you're very familiar with it. Uh, Kingston Mines. It's unfortunately been a casualty of COVID. I'm pretty sure they're shutting doors for good, which sucks because yeah. I love that place. Right across the street, there's Blues Bar on Halstead. You familiar with it? No, oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> good friend Rico McFarland. Dude, that is the best fucking place in Chicago. It's about the size of my apartment, and you go there, and it's it's like a bunch of guys like you as a nineteen year old. I feel like. Mm -hmm. And is there anybody that you want to shout out right now that like is playing at that bar in front of twenty people that people need to know about? Oh man, it's it's some guys that are Chicago heroes, man. Mm. Yeah, like, like I said, Rico McFarland, mm -hmm. there was uh, Lori Bell. Um, who else? So, man, so many guys. Bernard Crump. Um, there was this really amazing guitarist I used to play there, but he just passed, he passed some years back. His name was Chico Banks. Mm. And Chico was like, I mean, just killing it. David Herrera is great. Ooh. Um, so, yeah, there's it's some guys that's, that's, that's really, really killing the scene, man. Who do you consider? Oh, I, go ahead, Dave. When you get out to Chicago, and I'm praying the doors are, are going to be open, I'm taking you to Kinson Mines, and I'm taking you to Blues Bars. They're, they're right next door to each other across the street. And, uh, like, you just get lost in the music. 
you get. I guarantee off. you, I, I will. There I guarantee you. Rachel McAdams, whenever she films a, a a movie in Chicago, she'll like throw on a baseball cap, jeans, and like really dress down so she's not recognized. And apparently, she just is constantly at Kingston Mines. And I love her. It's a like you have to see this place. It's one of the best musical venues in the country. And it's amazing because there's there's two stages and they just two bands flip back you know whoever's the bands that night they just go back and forth all night they do a set then the other side does a set everybody goes on that side and uh, it reminds me of a Rockwood Hall. Music Hall in New York yeah exactly yeah. exactly and they'll go to like four in the morning yep four a.m. yep who do you consider like a guitar hero for yourself like if you had to like put your Mount Rushmore of people that influence you in your guitar playing oh man. <laughs> Uh, straight off the gate, uh, Wes Montgomery. Mm. Uh, 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 let's see, Wes, uh, Wes Montgomery, George Benson. Mm. Um, hmm. Jeff Lee Johnson, uh, who is unsung hero. I mean, just incredibly played with Esperanza Spalding and Ooh. I actually got a chance to play with him the first leg of the D'Angelo tour back in two, 2012 so that was that was crazy um Spanky Alford and if I had to put one more because Mount uh, Rushmore's what five right I don't actually <laughs> uh, know is it four or five well, I don't know I think it might have been yours know. yours has five so you pick five yeah so if I had to do one more it would probably be It would probably be like, hmm. I'm gonna go out on a limb and I'm gonna put two guys that because they kind of remind me of the other, uh, Robin Ford and Larry Carlton, like just for texture, like you know, bluesy shit. Hey, oh, I'm sorry, one more, Albert King. Albert I'm, King, Albert King would be on mine, hundred percent. Albert King, all day long. Did you ever get a chance to play with BB before it passed? No, I I, I wasn't uh, fortunate. Not quite old I, I I was close. I I was in his it guitar. Was right, there, right. I was right there. <laughs> I was at. Uh, I did the guitar center's uh, King of the Blues uh, competition back mm. in the day, and it was I was like maybe fifteen or something. I got all the way to like semifinals or whatever. Albert so, King. Albert King to me has influenced so many people that people don't even realize Albert King influence. I mean, like just casual people. Oh Ca- yeah. Casually, like 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 Stevie Ray Vaughan. I was just gonna say that's his entire style. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Stevie Ray Vaughan definitely took Albert King's thing and made it his own. And then John Mayer, he's a huge Stevie Ray Vaughan fan. Exactly. It all trickles down, bro. All trickles down to Albert King. And another Chicago guy uh, is uh, 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 what's his name? Otis Rush. Hmm. Man, yeah, it's so. I love TV, of course, but it's so important to me too. The fact that guys like Stevie and and John always gave the love and adulation, especially. I mean, Stevie played in Albert's band, and he did the whole record with Albert. You need to be able to say where things came from and give that person the shine. Like that's the most important part in making music, in my opinion. Absolutely, absolutely, Uh, without a doubt. I mean, it's all about inspiration, and uh, and then just giving yeah that's what it that's, that's what it is it's giving you know uh you get the gift or you you know you uh you know work on a craft to play for people 
I mean, that's <laughs> it, man. You know, so that's the thing. You know, Isaiah, before we let you go, I have one more question. Okay. So I'm going to once again nerd out and read off a list of a couple people here. So D'Angelo, Anderson Pack, Common, Josh Groban. We already said the Isley brothers, John Mayer, Patty LaBelle. Uh, Paul Simon, Crim Bally Ray, who I mentioned last week, and I love Crim Bally Ray. Uh, Brian McKnight, Boys to Men, all people that you've either toured with, been in the studio, written with. Who is someone that you haven't worked with that you want to get in the studio or play live with? Okay, there's two bands. Mm. Um, the first one is Toto. That's an interesting answer. I need to know why. Well, I love their music. They 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 were all great session musicians prior to the have you know establishing the group and um i had the opportunity of meeting uh steve luke with there you know kind of hung out with him a little bit oh really and he's just so nice but i i that would be a dream to play with them um but i think my ultimate is stilly dan and i almost got the i got the call i got the call once i was in the studio real quick i got a uh, was in a studio session and uh you know, my phone's ringing. And at the time I was, I had just made up in my mind, like, hey, you know, if you see a, a out of town or a weird number, answer it. You don't know who it is. Mm. So my advice to people is like, always answer those phones. You just gotta <laughs> hang up on them. Oh, <laughs> uh, bro, <laughs> I turn I turn them off on my phone. I actually make it so that on my iPhone, if a number I don't have calls me, you gotta leave a voicemail. I'm not answering. I am, but you know, so I asked like, excuse me, I'll be right back. It was a New York number. I get uh, answered. I'm like, hello, is this is this is Donald Fagan. So like, oh my god! Crap. So I'm freaking out. That's like ultimate <laughs> like freak out. That's that's ultimate freak out. So I'm like, holy shit! Like, oh okay. I, at first, I thought it was a joke. Yeah. And he's like, I want. Fuck out of here! Who is this really? <laughs> right, right. So uh, he's like, yeah, I got your number from friendly friend of mine, mutual friend. And he turned me on to your guitar plan, and I want you to play on uh, a record. And I'm like, oh shit! Like, do you want me to fly out? He's like, dude, can you fly out Friday? And what was messed up was, I long story long story short, um, the day that they wanted me to come in, I couldn't because I was already uh, committed to something. And by the time um, uh, we were able to reschedule, I guess some. Donald had some personal things going on with him, mm. so he couldn't do it. So the the, the session just kind of like went away. Oh. But the crazy, the the best part about it is that hey, I may not have actually done it, but the fact that he called, you're on his radar. Oh, it's like, dude, it's all that's, good. That's it's all good. It's gonna happen. It's gonna ha It's gotta yeah. happen. Yeah, yeah. But that's enough for me. You know, just the consideration and and. Uh, you know, the fact that he's, I'm on his radar a little bit, you know. To come full circle in this conversation, you want to talk about a band and artists that make great musical choices? Steely Dan always with the tastiest choices. Everything they did, it just... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're, 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 they're uh, genius, you know, uh, quirky, all of it, everything. I mean, uh, the jazz sophisticated harmonies that they had mm -hmm. the, the blues you know that they had in it the r&b the funk that they had they had like a little bit of everything it was just completely like just 
a gumbo. Mm. But it's just like all these different flavors. And then it's just their own sound. It's a beautiful thing, man. It really is, man. I don't think there's a better way we could have ended the conversation than that. So, I mean, Dave, anything else you got, man? Yeah, I got I got the Chicago rapid fire. So there we go. We, we end a lot of our interviews just with rapid fires. I ask you a bunch of just random bullshit questions. And first thing that pops in your head, lay it on us, all right? So first right. one is this, Cubs or Sox? Sox. Yeah, boy. I, I fucking love this guy. Even more, I love him. Uh, <laughs> Ace or Nagy? Say it again. Pace or Nagy? Ryan Pace yeah. or Matt Nagy? Uh, Can you a, say neither? One. Yeah. <laughs> neither. Um, how much would you have paid to keep D Rose's knees healthy? <laughs> uh, Five dollars, no. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, ten grand, no. Yeah, 10 um. Grand. Favorite mom and pop restaurant in Chicago? Ooh. Uh, Caribbean Jerk. Ooh. That's right at Halstead in Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. Place is awesome. I used to go there for lunch at my old job all the time. Um, Chance, Kanye, or Lupe? Mm. I'm going to go musically. I'm going to go with Kanye. Musically. Musically, musically, <laughs> I feel like there's a there's a sub. Let's, keep, there. let's just keep it music. Let's keep it music. Listen, I'm the biggest. We've had this conversation a million times on the podcast. Kanye West changed my life musically. I am forever indebted to that. We don't talk about other Kanye stuff. We just leave it to the music, bro. There. Well, you um, played with Lupe too. I don't even mean to cut you off. You I played with Lupe. Lupe. Yeah, yeah. I love what Lupe. That? Lupe's, what was that I mean, like? I mean, and I'm I don't know shit about what I'm talking about, but musically, I love Lupe. Um, great. how much battery does your phone have right now? What percentage? 100%. Hundred percent. Uh, who's the most yeah. famous person in your phone book? <laughs> That's hard. I don't want to offend anybody. Uh, <laughs> Bob Weir. What? Bob Weir? Would you? Would you? Would he answer a Facetime right now? Maybe. Would you Facetime him? <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll buy out every no i won't do that because i don't have the money i was gonna say i'll buy out the next concert every have season. you have you played with bob weir i did a bob weir set yes Dude. Uh, with him uh for we both were endorsed with uh d'angelico at one point mm. and uh d'angelico had this whole thing where they was you know during now they would have this whole artist thing mm-hmm. and so uh you know i played one set you know, somebody else played another set, such as Kurt Rosenwinkel. And then they had a whole night for Bob Weir. And wow. so I was his rhythm guitar player. And we had rehearsal and play like a 90-minute set. So it was good. That's more involved. I don't mean to cut you up, but that's even more of a relationship with John Mayer, obviously, yeah, right. right now. I was about to ask. I actually, I've seen John Mayer like 100 times, and I haven't seen him at Wrigley yet um, with the dead. Yeah. What you should fucking hop on there with them, man. If, if I if I came, they, they I wouldn't say they would call me up, but ah, who knows? You know, it's just, just a jam. You know, with all songs. You know, it's uh, all one long song. It's all one long song. Like it, it's it's funny as hell because when I did the the set with Bob, I was freaking out first of all that I could play with him because you know he had, he would come to some of the John shows and so we kind of knew each other, mm-hmm. but I never outside of that had had in contact and so he gave me the set list 
And I'm like, so it's got Jack Straw on there, it's got all this other shit. And so I'm like learning it, like, oh God, okay, I gotta make sure I know this part and make sure this. And I'm like, that, that part doesn't happen again. Like, what's the hell? <laughs> so I did the best I could with learning the music and we get downstairs to sound check. We kind of play it like the record, just a little bit. And then the show, it all gets thrown the fuck out. Like that, <laughs> it was a straight jam. Just jam sesh, yeah. I was gonna say, I don't feel like you can even prepare for that kind of shit. You can't. You you just know the lyrics, know the melody, and the basic structure, and then let it be. Dave, there's some musicians that thrive in that environment, and there's other musicians that'll walk on stage and have a fucking panic attack because it's not perfectly in line with what the right. sheet might say. Mm-hmm. I tend to lean towards the, it could be a discombobulated mess, and I'm gonna be fine. If I have to play <laughs> note for note, that's when I get that's when I get anxious. Uh, yeah, but well, you know what? It's it's a it's an art to both, I think, because oh. some people cannot flow, right? Facts. Like you know, pe- people just can't flow. go with the flow and just let the moment dictate to what's going on. And so, I tend to like both, even in the structured things. Like you, you know, even with John Mayer, with with, with it's three guitars. There's parts mm. that need to be played for for sure, but there is also a part of it where you got to let things kind of just happen too, you know? So if the blend of that, that that's the, to me, that's, that's the shit. You know? Keith Richards once said one guitar is beautiful. Two guitars is an orchestra. Cause you need to find your spots. You need to find, there's a great video online right now of Albert Hammond jr. From the strokes teaching or having his two guitar players in his band play their different parts. He has a third part and then they put it all together in the end and you see how this like orchestra of guitar comes together to play a simple line, but everybody's doing a different mechanical part. It's a beautiful thing, right. man. Oh yeah, you look at you look at all of it, man. I mean, just music is a funny thing because you get an orchestra uh, full of you know like 40, 50 people. It's only twelve notes of music. Yep. So it, that alone gives you a lesson of orchestration of parts um when to play when not to play mm. space that's the lesson of the blues right there space when not to play when to play yeah and, and to wrap up the whole conversation like john mayer is john mayer he's an a-lister on all the greatest guitar guitars ever lists on the internet like i said to start the show when when i saw you originally in 2019 and I, w- I was watching John Mayer. He, he, he just let his guitar hang down. He crossed his arms, and he was just focused on you, and he was letting you play. And I'm like, dude, that's John Mayer. He's John Mayer, and he's watching this guy play, and John Mayer is in awe watching this guy play. So it, it's been a real pleasure talking to you, uh, learning about you know you, who you are as a person beyond, beyond your musical uh talents and background so thank you for coming on man it, it was a real joy for us oh man thank you for having me and uh pleasure man it's and it's yeah man let's keep making music you know and uh we'll see you at david palooza too by the way i'm holding you <laughs> that. yeah that's yeah in, in, look in that out Grand park or millennium park or something we're just gonna we're just gonna go we're not even gonna tell the city we won't even set up a stage or anything. We'll just have you in the grass. Yeah. We'll have like you and all the other big stars we're going to have out there just standing there with acoustic guitars no, and no, no. set up. Yeah. yeah. I'm with it. 
they're gonna be like, who are all these homeless people in the park, dude? Tell them to right. go home. <laughs> that would like, be that would be great. We all got to dress up as homeless people. Yeah, I'm great. in, dude. I'm already halfway there. We're in a final. What the fuck <laughs> is this? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that was our interview with our new friend, Isaiah Sharkey. Uh, to everybody, please go check out his solo music. You can find a million videos of him on YouTube playing with an assortment of A-listers. Just a great guy. Dave, great call having him on the podcast, man. Yeah, like like I said, I I discovered him. It was in about two years ago, uh, March or April, whatever it was, of uh, 2019. I was at a John Mayer concert. I sent a tweet, and he's like the best guitarist I've ever seen in person. And... Like I immediately people responded, oh, it's it's that's Isaiah from Greeny Green, which is right where I live right now. Basically, um, he's awesome. And I've I've stayed up to date with him. And once we started this, I'm like, he was one of the guys that I wanted, not just because of how good he is musically, um, how good he is as an artist, but because he has the Chicago ties. And I know we'd be able to rip it up like that. But what a talent, man, dude. He's I mean, he's absurd. It's really cool when you have somebody on the podcast to where when you're promoting it and you go to put up videos, it's him in a stadium with John Mayer just ripping a crazy yep. solo. And then the next thing is like him on Saturday Night Live with D'Angelo. Yep. Like, what the fuck? Where are we? What kind of glitch in the matrix like, have we found? Like, we've had some legit, legit A-listers. Like, he's he's only got like 2,500 followers on, on Twitter and everything. Like, he, He's a musician's musician. Exactly. He is. Exactly. 100%. He's a, a musician's musician. And uh, everybody, please go check out his music. He's fucking incredible. And I'm very happy he was on. Yeah, and then he's got the show uh, in a couple weeks in Chicago. So I will be there. And I'll, he's going to go. Yeah. Uh, so other than that, we do have a couple other guests that we have locked in. We've already had interviews done. Next week, we are going to be having our episode with Doug Allen from Entourage. That's an amazing interview as well. That was a fucking journey. That was an hour and a half long. That was that was big for us. I love that one. Yeah, um, it was incredible. It was fucking incredible. Kenny, I wish you could have been there for that one because that was one. I know, you- man. I'm a big Entourage fan, too, but I'm, I'm sure it was awesome. So not only that, we have Chad Stokes from Dispatch. We're talking about their new record that's coming out. That's another incredible interview. We have some other A-listers coming on. We got Davis Slightly Stupid Fix. We have Miles coming on as well. So It's we- a loaded few weeks. Like it's, Those are in... I I I'm kind of feel selfish right now because a lot of these guys are guys that I like, like Miles Doty. I would have never thought we could get him, but that's my music right there. So mm. like he was a guy I zeroed in, and it's similar to Sharky. Like put a list together in my brain, and and we made it happen. I'm very excited for the next month plus. So I got another like six people I confirmed this week too. So this shit is not slowing down anytime soon. We got some other stuff we're ready to talk about soon. Uh, I have a new single coming out next week. I want to bring that up. Just want to say that. You have to. Uh, I can already tell you the song's called Like It That Way. It will be our pick of the week next week. So fuck you guys. Uh, but you Proper. can hear but I already know you can hear it on the radio in Philly, Nashville, DC next week for some one-off things. LA, Kenny on KCRW will be on that. So keep your ears peeled for some Foxtrot. Uh, other than that, I mean Dave's in New York right now, but Dave, I know you've been playing the guitar a lot more. How's it going for you so far? Tell me. It's good. It's it's getting there. Like I I mean, I could play the whole I don't know, first bar, would that be it for? Um, yeah, the first verse is what you're going I was going to say verse, but I thought that sounded too noobish. Um, of Delicate Few Black by OAR. That's That guitar is beautiful, man. It is. Shout out Taylor Guitars for uh, the beautiful work that they do. It was, uh, look, like, I'm, I'm I'm having fun with it. Like, on that shitty fucking uh, Squire, Squire. I had, it just sounded, <laughs> man, I'm like, I, I, this sounds bad. Like, it sounds shitty. 
Dave is the anti Willie Nelson, where Willie Nelson always said, "It doesn't matter what kind of guitar you play, like, like that's the feelings, right?" Yeah, mean, but that nice guitar inspires him to play in a certain way. Facts. So we have a lot going on, guys. We have a lot more coming out. Just keep it up. Uh, we are going to get out of here uh, with our pick of the week, uh, Crossbow by Tamar Effect. So Tamar was supposed to be on today, but she was feeling ill, so she's not going to be on for an interview. She'll be on in a couple weeks. But Tamar is an artist from Tel Aviv, Israel. Total badass. Now, Kenny, when I describe what this song sounds like, I think you're going to get excited. First off, she's an amazing guitar player. She's had a really cool career in Israel. She scores movies. Uh, she's been a part of different, you know, duos. She's, like, sponsored fucking festivals. Uh, she's just been DYI the whole time, too. She's a fucking badass. But this song, Crossbow, reminds me a lot of, like, early 2000s, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you get the Karen O thing right away. Oh, yeah. But what I really dig is the beat to it. And the syncopation reminds me a lot of Firestarter by Prodigy. By the Prodigy. Okay, I like Bro. all this. This is a fucking badass tune. And I definitely suggest everybody to go check out Tamar's music. Also, if you want to, you're listening to AAA radio. It, the song is spinning a lot. It's picking up legs in America. So I wanted to get her on here now before she gets too big and we can't get her. So I figured we'd give Tamar FX some, uh, some, some praise here. and We'd throw her song on at the end. Gentlemen, anything else you got for me this week? Fuck both of you guys. Fuck yeah, you, fuck you dude. too, bro. New York rules. Fuck off. Yeah, I hope you. I hope you sleepwalk tonight, dude. I Go get a New walk. York piece of Zaw. You. <laughs> Dave's going over to yeah, fucking uh, Sabaros after this. I am trying John's Bleaker tomorrow. Everybody says it's the best on the planet. So don't I never, fuck it up. Yeah, don't fuck it up. I always wind up, dude. There's a great spot in Harlem that we used to play at all the time. It's called the Shrine, and it's like it, it's like around a lot of Jamaican food. So you can get some wild oxtail oh, yeah, and shit yeah, up there. Yeah, some jerk uh, chicken shit. I yeah. Ever, ever say anything bad about the food in New York City. I, it, that'd be dumb. I have controversial takes, but I also have takes that I actually believe in. Mm. For instance, I don't give a flying fuck if you put ketchup on your hot dog. It's your food. food oh, food. I've seen that. Yeah, Dave. I'm, I, I'm anti-ketchup. I mean, that's fine. You don't like ketchup. But if you like ketchup, which I, I put ketchup on like my french fries, not typically on a hot dog, but if I want... If I feel inclined to put ketchup on a hot dog, I don't want to be ostracized for it because it's my food. <laughs> I feel ostracized. <laughs> From now on, the quote will read, I feel like I can do whatever I want. Billy Eilish, Dave Williams. Dave, Dave Williams, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, Dave, do whatever you want, buddy. Just keep being you. Uh, we're going to go into our song, Crossbow by Tamar Feck. We'll see you guys next week. Fuck you guys. We love you.
Stabbing with your heart 